Welcome back, Kittitas Valley Sports Talk fans, to a rodeo episode brought to you by McGregor Company, local fertilizer company, chemical spray company here in the valley. Take care of your fields, don't they? Take care of the fields. It's March 10th. Spring's happening. McGregor's getting busy. We appreciate them bringing up with us with one more year of sponsorship for the rodeo episode. And why not kick it off big today, John? We're going to kick it off big. We're going to talk about big paydays. We're going to talk about a big-time roper. We're going to get Shane Hanchy on the phone here in just a couple of minutes. Obviously, Shane Hanchy, he's, he's won Ellensburg in 2013 as a Ellensburg uh, uh, Ellensburg Rodeo Champion in 2013, won the world title in 2013, just won the American last weekend, and uh, um, he's won a lot of money, one of the probably most famous popular ropers out there. And uh, he's going to spend time with us. I and and I'm a big fan. I I, I uh, hide. Uh, I make it no secret that I'm a huge fan of Shane. He's always given me plenty of time. And I'm telling you what, as dedicated as he is to rodeo, we talk more about football, baseball, fantasy, fantasy football, and everything like that. So he's just a really cool guy. I'm fired up to talk rodeo with him. And like you just said, I'm even more fired up to talk about Southern sports, SEC football. Probably going to talk about a little food. Yeah. And and I'm seriously going to ask him to bring that up to Washington. (laughs) So with that being said, let's go ahead and bring on Shane. Well, welcome back. Kittitas Valley Sports Talk fans. John here, Eric, and our special guest brought to you by the McGregor Company, a proud sponsor of our rodeo podcast, Shane Hanchy. He's here. He's dialing in from. Uh, well, Shane, where where are we calling you into? Uh, where are you? Um, yeah, we're right here in my, my new town in Texas, Carmine, Texas, right in between Houston and Austin. Um, I moved here a couple of years ago. Getting married in April. Got seventy five acres right here, and um, yeah, we're going to be here for for tonight. I fly out in the morning to head to Arcadia, Florida. So you said a couple of things that I want to touch on. First things first, uh, congratulations on on uh, on uh, the pending marriage. Welcome to the club. And, and uh, um, just as long as you know that you, sir, married up and you're the lucky one. Yeah, no, that's for sure. I'm, I'm reminded of that quite a bit. <laughs> Sunday, um, she had to kind of bow down Sunday because we, we got quite a bit of land paid off after that day. That is, uh, that is wonderful. And, and, uh, so congratulations to you and Taylor. And, and, uh, so, you know, let's talk about, uh, Sunday and, and, uh, give you, I mean, the American is an incredible rodeo. Uh, it always means something. Uh, it's got to mean a little bit more, uh, to win it, but also just to be able to be able to compete for that much money, uh, when COVID is, is certainly challenging the schedule. So, you know, take me through last weekend and, and, uh, you know, yeah, just take me through last weekend. Yeah. You know, John, the American has, has marched its way up to one of the prestigious, most prestigious rodeos in the country. Um, when we started this thing in 2014, I remember that was, that was a year, um, after I'd won the world title. And so this was the first year we had it in March of 2014. And I remember I was last roper cause they did it on the world standings. And I remember I had to be here, be there, do interviews, you know, and I didn't really understand or fully comprehend at the time what this was about to be. And you fast forward, you know, seven years later, and it's one of the most prestigious rodeos in the country, not only because of the prize money, but 
the added dimension of a, of a qualifier has a chance to win a million dollars. You never in a million years would have thought that that rodeo would have came this far. And, you know, with Patrick Gotch and, and Randy Bernard seeing this thing through, everybody thought this thing was going to fail and be done by 2016. But, man, it has been full steam ahead. When they gave us the go-ahead that they were going to have it through the pandemic and with all this COVID nonsense going on, it kind of it made a couple cowboys that are aware of how, how to go about a business during this time. It made us realize that, hey, these guys are for real, and this is going to be around for a while, and it's just going to get bigger and bigger. Certainly next year it'll pay $2 million to some, some qualifiers. So, um, you know – as far as roping in that stadium and that venue, you know how, how big of a sports fan I am. And I remember vividly Sunday when we did the introductions, I'm standing on the stage and I caught myself just looking at the top of AT&T stadium and you see Emmett Smith and you see Troy Aikman and you see Gil Brandt and you see Bill Parcells, all that's been inducted into the ring of honor and the pro football hall of fame. And when you see stuff like this and you understand the venue and you understand what you're what you're competing in front of and what you're competing for uh really kind of brings it in full circle you know that this this is a professional sport where professional athletes were showcasing our talents and we're finally getting compensated to a degree of what we should so um you know i had never gone i mean i'd never made it past the round of 16 at the america and i've been there every year so for me, the most nerve-wracking run all week was the very first one. I just wanted to make it to Sunday. And it sounds cliche, but once I got to Sunday, I was like, hell, I'm good. I've made it farther than I've made it before. But at the end of the day, being able to win second in the 16-man round, so I was seventh roper in the eight-man round, I knew what I had to be. And then, you know, I made my run, made it to the four-man, and then I was able to kind of let my hair down and, and, you know, I've had good luck when I made the four-man round. So I, I uh, ended up, you know, winning it. And it's uh, it's a huge sigh of relief because now, you know, this 50000 of it counts towards the standings and so on and so forth. So I'm in a good position. Um, of course, when you win something like that, you've got all the confidence in the world. Um, I'm ready to rope. I'm, and it seems like we're opening up a little bit. So we'll be able to hopefully get over towards y'all's way sooner than later. Shane, talk us through that a little bit. You know, comparing your normal runs and, and your regular arenas. I mean, granted, you know, in the PRCA, there's lots of big arenas, big crowds, but you just competed, like you said, in 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 Jerry World. Uh, the NFR was at a Major League Baseball stadium this year. What's the difference for you in that? I mean, is, is do you have to prepare in your runs differently for different stadiums? Do the cows run differently? And and just, I mean, I, I know that just like you said, I'd be in shock and awe sitting there looking up around, just thinking, wow, the people that were here. It's so yeah. awesome. Yeah, no, it's great. So, yeah, I mean, there's a couple different <clears throat> different techniques and different tactics that I use when I go to a venue like that. You know, luckily, I've been able to go to Rodeo Houston every year. Every year they've had it at NRG, and that thing is massive, man. It is so massive. And I just um, – I kind of took into consideration. So this year – I'll, I'll kind of give you all the whole breakdown. This year they, they changed the layout of the American this year as far as the arena set up. So <clears throat> now this year the new the new way they did it was our boxes and our shoots was at one end zone. The buck and shoots was at the other end zone. So we ran 
end zone to end zone, if that makes sense. Um, and so before at every other American, we ran sideline to sideline. And so it was just a different deal with the arena being so wide and not very long because, you know, the sideline, sideline to sideline across, is it's not near as long as, as, you know, 100 yards or whatever. But so when they opened this thing up and changed the, changed the format and the, and the arena layout, I kind of thought, you know, this is a lot like Houston, and I've had a lot of success at Houston. I've won it. I've won second. I've won third. I've had a lot of success at Rodeo Houston. And so that kind of gave me a little bit of, uh, you know, self-confidence that, hey, this is going to be a lot like a, what I'm used to type deal. Um, and really on the fan aspect, even at Globe Life, the fans are so much further away at a venue like that because there's so many more seats available but by the time you put your rodeo ring in there, it's, you know, the fans are really not very close. So it's almost like to me that the fans aren't as a, much of a factor um, at a venue like that, but it can still get loud. It still gets crazy. So um, just and, and Globe Life, you know, in November was remarkable to be a part of. I mean, that thing is brand new. And to be over there and I got dug out a couple of times, I went to the clubhouse, just Man, everything is top notch at that place, and uh, it was really a great, it was really a great experience to be a part of that. And then, of course, winning winning the average over there was was uh, topping on the cake. So, when we were when we were watching the NFR from uh, from the comforts of Ellensburg over here, uh, and I'm going to attribute it to you here, Eric. Uh, <laughs> um, we thought that uh, Globe Life looked like a really, really, like a billion-dollar barn. Like, it was almost yeah. like it was built for the NFR in terms of making it look like a really cool barn. So, again, obviously you appreciate it. You say, you know, looking at the dugout, uh, you know, Rangers play there. That looks like a top-notch feel, the quality organization. Obviously, Texas was going to do anything it could <laughs> to preserve the NFR. So that kind of goes along in line with what you were saying, what rodeo has done or, or like events and people who put on the American, what it does for rodeo. It seems like rodeo is, is definitely not there to survive, but it's it's a sustainable thing that's going to continue to grow. Yeah, I really feel like it is. I think that, you know, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that the NFR is going to be here in Texas next year, but yeah. I'll tell you what, John, we, we have some leverage now when, when this contract <laughs> with LVE does come up because I'll be straightforward with y'all. We we figured out, not we, I figured, but the PRCA figured out that they can have this thing and sell these tickets and have us and have a $10 million payoff without LVE. So with that being said, LVE has done a lot for us. When it comes down to negotiating, I would love to be a fly on that wall because <laughs> what Texas has done for us the last six months, um, what the city of Arlington, not only Texas, but the city of Arlington, the city of Fort Worth, what they've done to step up and um, be able to help us, you know, reach our goal of, of, of normal money and at a time like this is just incredible, man. I, I'm totally with you on that because I know I love my trip to Vegas to go see the NFR. But, like, when my wife and I were sitting here and we have a newborn, so we weren't able to go this year, I'm thinking, man, I wish I was there. Yeah. Not only because I'm a baseball guy. They're in a baseball stadium, but you got the stockyards there. You got just the, the cowboy atmosphere, the Western atmosphere. 
Right, right. I mean, when when people think of rodeo, they think of Texas, you know, and, and they really do. I mean, it's 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 deep into these roots over here. But now I'll be the first one to tell both of you guys, I'm a I'm a Vegas guy, man. I'm a, I'm a creature of habit. <laughs> yeah. I've been there the last ten years, so it was crazy. Not it just the little things for me. I, obviously, I missed roping at the time of the back because 2019, I, I finally kind of got my mojo back in that building, and and I, I was the leading money winner. And you know, we we all know, you know, lost the gold buckle by a tenth of a second, but I feel like I got some confidence back in that building, and I was ready to go back. But it's the little things that I missed that I didn't understand the relationships I'd built over the last 10 years, whether it's my valet people, whether it's my sports book guy, a couple dealers, you know, just, you don't realize the relationships you built, even the club pro at Valley high, you know, just stuff like that. Um, being a creature of habit. So I, I do miss Vegas and, and it sounds like we're headed back there and I hope we are. Uh, yeah, it'll, it'll, it'll get back to normal. I think. Shane, let me uh, let me switch gears a little bit. I want to go back to uh, 2013. Um, you know, you, you you won a gold buckle that year, uh, and I re- specifically remember uh, talking to you behind the shoots in Ellensburg. You had just won Ellensburg in 2013. I can't remember the what set it up, but correct me if I'm wrong. I think um, you talk about relationships that you built in Vegas. You, you have relationships with, with, with other ropers. You have relationships. I, I see you behind the shoots, uh, in the, behind the bucking shoots as well. So it's not just time to event cowboys, but long winded, uh, question. Sorry here, but I, if I remember correctly, you needed a little bit of uh, horse help. And I want to say, was it Cody Ole's horse? Was it Pearl that, that you needed in Ellensburg in 2013? And if I remember correctly, um, that that helped get you back on track, and obviously 2013 ended pretty dang well for you. Obviously, uh, can do you remember that Labor Day weekend eight years ago? Oh, I remember it like it was yesterday. So uh, I, I do too. Yeah, so, so I'll be honest with y'all. I, uh, I, I, you know, the summer of 2013 wasn't very good. I remember getting to Ellensburg. And I want to say I had like thirty six thousand one. I had one maybe five grand at Cheyenne end of July. And my summer was just. I had to send Riata home. He was hurt. Had another little horse out there, but man, it was just tough sledding. And that was the first year. So I made the NFR in ten, eleven, twelve, and thirteen. I really thought, man, what am I going to do in December? Because I'm going to go crazy if I'm watching this thing from the house when I've been there the last three years. And I, yes, I rodeo with Cody all the year before Cody was rolling at the time and Pearl was best she's ever been. And I don't know. I just, I just asked him, said, Hey, do you mind if I ride Pearl at Ellensburg? And he said, no problem. And I tied my rope on and I don't remember exactly. I think I split the first round and I won second in the second round. And then I won, come back high call, won fourth in the short round and won the average and won a little over 10,000 right there. And so I was immediately back in the mix and I went to Lewiston the next day and I won Lewiston and I won another five grand. I'd won 15,000 in two days. And I was all of a sudden back in the top 15. And so went to Pendleton and placed at Pendleton and rode Pearl one more time at, at uh, Albuquerque. It was a one header. 
I knew that if I was eight tour faster, I'd get into the tour finale at Omaha. And if I got into the tour finale, I would all but clinch a spot at the NFR. And I was 8-1 on Pearl at Albuquerque and made the NFR. And then, you know, that was just my week, them 10 days. I uh, was special. I mean, if you ask me today, I feel like I'm leaps and bounds of a better roper than I was in 2013. It was just my week. I ran the right calves. I made the right runs. And uh, I won the gold buckle. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's a full circle, like I said earlier. And, and uh, you know, obviously I think about that year and, and, and that buckle every every, every day. So it, it was a special year. And it all started at Ellensburg, Washington. So let me uh, – there's a question here that I didn't realize I was going to ask, but you kind of – want me to or or kind of force me to make the comparison obviously you know nfr paydays of 27 grand a night or 67 grand for an average or obviously the american of 100 grand there i mean that that's life changing pay off a uh, uh pay off a house or pay off a land kind of um you know money mm-hmm. ellensburg you won 10 grand that gets the wind in your sails so i mean obviously american you make more money or nfr you make more money but in terms of uh, rodeos or, or go rounds or, or buckles that you win, are there certain ones that stick with you? They might not pay the the greatest, but can you think of a few that just mean a little bit more? Is Ellensburg one of them? Um, is a uh, oh, you know you know t- tell me about that? Yeah, for sure. So um, that that particular year at Ellensburg is definitely one of them because yeah, I won ten thousand, which went towards standings, but. Y'all got to realize how much of confidence I got out of them three days at Ellensburg. I mean, it just it, it brought me back to being a believer myself, knowing I could rope, knowing I can hang with those guys. And obviously, I was on the best horse there was. So it, it, it's almost like that confidence that you get from a rodeo like that is priceless, right? So you can you can win as much as you can win, and and I think I won as much as your man could win at Ellensburg, ten mm-hmm. thousand. So ten thousand is still a lot of money today. But it comes with the confidence, and you know, there's rodeos like Pendleton. When I won Pendleton, I think I won 12 grand. These prestigious rodeos, I won Fort Worth twice, Denver twice. I won Houston. I, I, pretty much the only one, you know, that I haven't won is Reno. Um, when it comes down to major rodeos, so I, I very much agree with your with what your thought process is there. That that. Just because you're not winning a hundred thousand at the America, don't mean that Ellensburg don't rank right up, right among the, the top of the list, or Pendleton, or heck, even Kennewick. A couple of years, you know, when I talked to you after I won Kennewick, that it's all it's all good when you win, and especially when you uh, get get as much confidence as I do from them. And you, you talk about Kennewick. I want to say that, and and you could probably tell me if I'm wrong, but it seems like Kennewick, they have just increased their purse significantly over the last two or three years and so that's got to be good for a cowboy to know that yeah ellensburg might get the attention on labor day weekend obviously pendleton is huge you men you mentioned reno and stuff like that but kennewick they're you know their purse is 300 plus now which is i think they were like 180,000 five years ago i mean so i gotta imagine rodeo athletes like yourself you you can tell the committees that really want to be on everybody's schedule yeah you know and that's that's what i love about the northwest is it seems like the northwest and committees are you know they're trying to up their money they're you know because honestly john they could they could sit back on their pockets and they could go 
if you're Kennewick, you could go, oh, man, we'll just add 5,000 in the event. And you'll go, well, why would you do that? No, we don't have to add any more. We know they're coming anyway. They're up here in the Northwest anyway. So for them not to take that that stance and just try to get better and better. I remember when Kennewick added 5,000, and it was two head back-to-back, and it was miserable. And you had to park on the rocks, and it was dusty, and it was 95 degrees, and nobody wanted to be there. But now it's two in the short back-to-back, and you got a big slack. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think I'm one seven or 8,000 when I, when I won it a couple of years ago. So it's always nice, and we always notice as Cowboys that the committees that are trying to help and, and, and add more money because all that does is bring in, you know, bigger sponsors, more revenue, and uh, hopefully bigger and better names from the cowboy world. Can we uh, walk with me here or drive with me across the border, I guess you could say. Can we talk about (laughs) Canada a little bit? I know that uh, I think you're a four-time Canadian champ uh, last two years because I guess 2020 doesn't count, but, uh, or, you know, there wasn't a 2020 Canadian rodeo year. Uh, mm-hmm. Is the border going to be open? Is it too soon to tell? I mean, how do you schedule around that, or, or do you not worry about it at this point since we're talking early March? Um, you know, it's a little uh, it's a little touch and go right now. The the thing there, Calgary wants to happen, but Calgary currently, Trudeau and all them people up there, they're still under a 14-day quarantine. So, mm-hmm. These guys were down here at the American. If they cross, they have to quarantine for 14 days before they can go anywhere. And so, and that's like, if I would go up there, I'd have to quarantine myself. So it's not really feasible right now to cross and quarantine for 14 days. Now, Calgary goes, you know, hey, we're going to go full payout. And it's, and it's you know, it's uh, PRCA approved. Then uh, obviously we got to, we got to figure something out, but as of right now, it looks pretty touch and go um, on the Canadian rodeos. They say they're going to try to have something. I've heard that um, that there's been a grant up there up to 20000 per rodeo that Alberta is trying to do. And, it, you know, at the end of the day, like we were saying, the 20000 a rodeo is great. But really, that just, that just pays for production and that pays for some stock. And it really don't trickle down far enough to pay for any added money or anything like that. But at the same time, it's a start. It's definitely a start. And I'm hoping we can get up there because I got this horse that that lives up there that I've been riding the last, you know, two rodeos in Arlington. And it's been pretty good. Tell me about your horsepower. Are you uh, still riding uh, Bam Bam or or Pam Pam or uh, what – what horse are you using, or or what's your what's your main horse? We might have some tech. I think we lost him. Well, while you try to figure it out, there, country, I can talk all I want about rodeo if you don't mind. Uh, you know, we're, we're we we've been talking with uh, Shane, and we're gonna try to get him back on the phone here. But uh, you know, like we've already mentioned, kind of in our in our in our intro here, the American has just been paying out insane money over the last uh, handful of years, and and uh, guys like Shane went in, you know, a hundred grand. His his time, I mean, he won a hundred grand in a matter of six seconds on on a on a Sunday afternoon, which is just absolutely insane. So I'm I'm hoping 
you know, committees like the American can keep them, uh, keep them coming and, and keep them going. So we're going to take a little bit of a quick break here, see if we can get Shane back on the phone, and, and uh, we'll be right back at you. Once again, thanks to the uh, McGregor Company for being a proud sponsor of uh, the uh, Rodeo Podcast. I'm Ian McGregor of the McGregor Company. There are so many decisions that are required to produce a successful crop, from selecting the right variety, rotation, nutrition, or crop protection, management is a full-time job. At the McGregor Company, we view our role as that of a partner. It's not about making a sale, it's about producing the best crop to help our customers succeed. What we earn here, we invest here, just as we have for more than 130 years. The McGregor Company, your partner for success. Pick up where we left off with, with horsepower and, and uh, what, uh, who's, who's your main horse as, as we go through, uh, as we get into the springtime? Yeah, so, you know, uh, you know, like I said, it's a huge sign of relief knowing that I've, you know, essentially got the NFR made after the American. But um, I'll ride that mare, Pam, that you've seen me win Kennewick yep. and everything I won on in the Northwest that year. I'll ride her. And Cy, I got Cy back after a, after a big injury. He's back, and that's, you know, that's the 2017 horse of the year. The horse that I've won so much at Pendleton on and, and all that. So I'm excited to have him back in the trailer. And I've got Pam. And then, um, you know, I'm going to ride TJ, which is the white horse that I've rode at the American and the NFR at the big rodeos in Canada or down south. We haven't really made a plan yet. It kind of depends on how he can get back down here. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely planning on riding TJ again at the NFR. So, um, we're just going to kind of truck along and see what we can get figured out. Are are you always looking for another horse to, to add to your pen or your trailer? I mean, or is it one of those things where you're sitting really good with horsepower and you just kind of back off and, and look, at, look for something else to spend money on? Or, or is it one of those things where you're always looking? No, you're right. I'm always looking, John. I mean, um, actually, in about 30 minutes, there's going to be a guy pull up with a horse, and we're going to try him. And maybe it works, maybe it don't, but you don't know until you try them. And for me, I'm looking for the next great one. And so I'm never not paying attention to guys roping. I'm never not paying attention to horses. And so, yeah, I'm always looking for that one. And, you know, Pam's 18, size 15. So, um they're a little long in the tooth still got some years left in them but i'm always looking can we switch gears and talk a little bit about uh houston astros uh baseball i know (laughs) i know you're a baseball fan eric over here is a high school baseball coach played high school and college ball um is the astros or are the astros your team yeah for sure and and uh you know I was, ever since I was a little kid, I've been an Astros fan. My my uncle hasn't missed a broadcast since 77, and wow. that's including spring training and, and everything. And so it was kind of bred into me to be an Astros fan. And, of course, growing up in Louisiana where I was, I'm my hometown's closer to Houston than I am New Orleans. So I've always been a huge Astros fan, and we'd go when we were the kid. And now I'm even closer to Houston in my current location. So um but you know i've always been a fan and a couple of years ago at the national finals i developed a pretty great relationship with one of the players and we've gotten to be real close and talk to him you know once a week or so and um just learning i mean i'm always learning i'm 31 but i want to figure out 
how to be the best. And so I watched some guys and Alex has been great for me and, and my uh, mental game and my confidence. And so, yeah, it's great, man. We're, we're I, I mean, I'm biased. I mean, I know we got some division rivals up there with the Mariners, but I'm pretty biased, but nobody, nobody, uh, took us serious last year and we were one freaking game away from the world series again we had a very young pitching staff and um, we're still pretty young as far as the rotation goes you know with Verlander being out to Tommy John and losing Framber this week to uh to that fractured finger but we went and signed a, the biggest name uh starting pitcher left on free agency um and I'm, I'm looking forward to this year I uh you know counting down the days to opening day I'm totally with you because I've been listening to Mariners spring training games and, and you say rivals up here. I don't know if a rivalry costs when the team on the other side of the state sucks so bad as the Mariners do right now, but in <laughs> the turmoil we have in the front office, but you know, I wasn't going to get anything, any serious questions again, but, but I do kind of want to dive down because we talked to Tyson Durfee a couple of years ago about the, you know, the mental side of things, but you know, I'm huge in the mental game of baseball and learning that. And it's cool to hear. And I think things can translate from sport to sport pretty easily and, and just how much has that helped you? Because I know guys in the big leagues, if they don't have that skill, it's a tool. Mental game is a tool. It can eat you alive, especially in the game of baseball. Yeah, you know, I, I, I tell – I had a clinic today. I just got done with a two-person clinic. And, you know, what I tell all my students, what I tell myself, look, if, if you don't believe in yourself and you don't think you can do it, then nobody else is going to believe in you. And, and confidence – is, is such a huge part in life. I mean, there's there's a difference between confidence and, and cockiness, but you you got to believe that you're the best. And you've got to also put the work in to have that confidence and have that trust that you are the best, you know. And so for me, you know, me and Alex, Alex is, is a very, very confident kid and a confident guy. And when he steps up there, you can see in his eyes that he's like, zoned in and uh so i just try to watch that and you know like you said baseball and rodeo it's it's all the same i mean um hard work always pays off and and believing in yourself you know well i think it's, someone finally described my my golf game there day of why are you always looking at what not to do not to hit the ball there there when you should be thinking hit the ball there and why are you always thinking negative about it? Not that kind of changed my thought of that. I don't know if it's going to help my golf game. I'm still pretty bad at that, but I like the the, the aspect of what they're talking about there for sure. Yeah, no doubt. I'm, I need to incorporate that into my golf game. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm assuming the guy you're talking about with the Astros, your connection to another big team that you're a fan of, the LSU Tigers, I would assume. Correct. So I was rooting for because your head coach is the man, first off, because you can't understand him half the time when he's talking. I love that. And I would run through a wall for that guy if I was able to be on that team. How pumped were you when they won the national title a couple years ago? Man, I was – honestly, I would – you know, I, I, I'm not married yet and I don't have any kids, but I told somebody it was the second greatest moment of my life and they have no idea who I am to an extent. I mean, we were there. The, the national championship game was in New Orleans. So I was there and – um you know, I tell people that, yeah, you know, people are like, man, were you at the National Championship game? I was. But to me, I went to Tuscaloosa that year, and I watched us beat Alabama in Bryant-Denny. And to me, that was that was what, what set itself apart for that year was 
I've been to Bryant Denny when we have gotten shut out. I've been to Bryant Denny when we've gotten our butts kicked and leaving that place upset, thinking that that was the year for some reason, then it not being. And then that year in 2019, it's like I was sitting up there, me and one of my good buddies, and we're diehard LSU fans. And we just had a had a feeling that this really was the year with Joe and with Clyde and, and the defense like it was. And, I just, uh, to leave Bryant Denny so happy because I've been so upset for years uh, was really the turning point. And once we got to New Orleans, I I, I told everybody, uh, you know, I to me, uh, I, I think Dabo's a great coach. I think Trevor Lawrence is a great quarterback, but they weren't stopping destiny that year. And, and that's what that was for that team. What is SEC football like? I mean, we got some great – you know, I've been in some really cool, loud stadiums, but I've never been in the South for football, at least. And and when you talk about Brian Denny, you talk about being at home at LSU. I mean, that's a hundred thousand rabid fans, and that's not even counting the people who are tailgating and never get into the stadium. That's a different level of fandom. Am I am I wrong on that, or am I correct? You're you're, you're so right. You're so right. It's it's not even the same. I mean, <clears throat> I, I hate, you know, the Pac-12 is great. And I love watching Pac-12 after dark. But I, for me, and you got to experience it, that Bryant Denny, you know, um, I feel like Death Valley and Baton Rouge is the, the best stadium, the loudest stadium. But Bryant Denny's a close second. Bryant Denny, their light show, what they do in the fourth quarter, it's – Man, it's unbelievable, 110,000 people. And for me, I, I've been to a lot of away SEC games. I've been to Florida. I love Auburn. I think Auburn's a great spot. Old Miss with all the oak trees is great. Um, you know, of course, I've been to College Station, and it's it's nothing to sneeze about neither. But them two stadiums, you know, Tiger Stadium and Bryant-Denny, it, it's just different, man. It's it's leading up to the game. It's tailgating. It's when you get in there. It's, I mean, dude, President Trump was there at the LSU Alabama <laughs> game that year. I mean, that's how big it is. I mean, people don't understand and don't comprehend. And luckily, I've brought a bunch of my buddies that rope to LSU um, to watch some games. And when they leave, they're like, man, it, it ain't even funny, you know, how, how awesome it is. And it's just a way of life down there, man. Like, I just, me as a kid, you know, I've been following LSU's recruiting class since I've been 14 years old, and I haven't missed a class yet, you know. So that's why I love college football is because I can watch. And, you know, LSU tries to, they try to put that put that wall up around LSU, and, and they want in-state recruits. So I've watched kids, uh, guys, you know, that's, that's, come from either my high school or high schools around me or even not around me if they're in New Orleans or you know just like Tyron Matthew um you know going to college there right or going to high school there right in Baton Rouge and then Leonard Fournette is a St. Augustine kid from New Orleans and um Clyde Edwards went to University High right there by Baton Rouge and you watch these guys progress from high school and then they get to LSU and then from LSU, they get drafted. And then when I watched them guys, like I was watching in the Super Bowl, I was just so happy for 
it don't matter who. I Devin White playing linebacker who I'm good friends with that I talk to quite a bit, or on the other side of the ball, Clyde Edwards running for Kansas City, Tyran in the in the backfield for Kansas City, and you know it's just. For me, I mean, I'm a diehard Saints fan, and I love New Orleans Saints. I mean, what Drew did for our state and our and our uh, our towns was was unbelievable. Bringing the Lombardi back, but my true joy is watching guys come through the ranks of high school to LSU and then into the pros and watch them set on fire. I mean, I'm watching the Bills with Tre'Davious White, and I'm. I'm a freaking Bengals fan now because of Joe Burrow. If you'd have told me that I was going to be watching the Bengals on Sunday ticket, you know, three years ago, I told you you're crazy as hell. But that's just what it means to us down here in the South. Well, I'm getting chills thinking about, and I really want to get to an SEC game, but I'm also thinking about that uh, tailgate you guys got there. I heard it's pretty epic. Man, the tailgate's the best part. Um, You know, any kind of food you want. I wish you guys could come down and, and uh, and come come to a game with me. I could show you guys around Baton Rouge pretty good. And that sounds like a, that sounds like an invite. I think so. And I'm going to make oh, that. <laughs> I think yeah, we're in on that. <laughs> yeah, anytime. I mean we we got the best we got the best food, and uh, and chances are you're going to not be disappointed with the kind of football that, that kicks off that night. I want to wrap this up here. I want to let you get ready for uh, for that horse you were talking about. Uh, I want to talk about a food trailer called Bo's Boil and Go. Talk to me, Shane. You got it. <laughs> this it is this is this something that just kind of came up because you're a, a foodie or a food fan, or was this something where it helps you uh, generate a little money during the coronavirus shutdown when there was absolutely no rodeo? I saw a story. I don't know where I saw it, and I was like, I got to ask him about this. <laughs> Yeah, so quick rundown of that. I'd actually started that a couple years ago. So um, it was pre-COVID idea. And, you know, I just thought I'm from Louisiana, and I love I love being from Louisiana because of the people and the food, and I'll always be from Louisiana. And where I'm currently located in between Houston and Austin, there's nowhere to get crawfish. And so we were thinking, you know, me and my soon-to-be wife, we – we try to hustle and try to round up some money and this and that. And I just said, Hey, if we can get us a food trailer and I could sell bull crawfish, I think it'd be a hit. And so, you know, we tossed it around and we, we said, okay. And we struck out and we started in 2018 and, um, you know, we did it in 2018. It was okay. Did it in 2019. It was pretty good. And then 2020 and man, we blew up. I mean, since I've been on the phone with you, I've had two guys text me wanting to, Wanting to come set up at Teskey's and Weatherford for the weekend just wow. because they know, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's been great. And I've got to give a shout out to the Broussards. I don't know, Taylor Broussard, who made the NFR in the Bearback Riding a couple of years yeah. ago from Louisiana. That's who I get all my crawfish from. And they're the biggest crawfish distributors in the country. They dictate the price of crawfish pretty much. And, and wow. that's uh, what they do for a living. And, um, so I, they make it super easy for me, and I just love uh, that. You know, that's what I tell people. People ask me, "What's it like selling crawfish?" So when we're busy and we're just stacked with people, and I'm cooking crawfish and I'm delivering it, I mean, it it really does get my blood going. Like I just had one in seven. Now I'm not gonna win a hundred thousand selling crawfish in a day, but <laughs> at the same time, you know, on a spring day when I'm not really wanting to rope or rodeo, it's a pretty dang good. Uh, piece of income so do you have an extra spot in the back of your horse trailer to pull that trailer to ellensburg 
Oh, man, I wish I could. Because I would be first in line. Yeah. Unfortunately, you know, crawfish season is January to June. So um, you'd have to come down and try some before that. But. No, it's it's been great, and we're we're kicking off. We're we're opening back up on on uh, a week from this Friday, so we'll be rocking and rolling. Well, Shane, I appreciate it. I always love talking to you, whether it's behind the shoots in Ellensburg or Kennewick or or over the phone talking about NFR. I I just appreciate you taking the time with us. Uh, stay healthy. Take care of your your wonderful soon to be wife. Take care of your horses, and and I just hope you rope well, man. Yeah, thanks, John. I appreciate it. Eric, thank you. I uh, Whatever y'all need, if y'all ever need me on the podcast, don't hesitate. You, you got my number, John, and uh, I'm always around. That appreciate sounds it, like Shane. a plan. Thank you so much. Have a good one, man. You too, buddy. See ya. All right, John. That was amazing. Kind of floored. I still got chills. I'm I'm kind of floored. So, I did we just commit to like three trips down to Louisiana or Texas here in the next couple of months? Yeah, Yeah, I think so. I don't even have to ask Paige. I know she's not probably not going to say yes, but we're going. We're doing it. Do you do you ask for permission or do you ask for forgiveness? Well, I've been one that known to ask for forgiveness. So yes. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, but I'm in. Let's go. A couple of things that that uh, I mean. He is all in, whether it's football, whether it's side businesses, whether it's roping. Yeah. He's all in on surrounding himself with successful people. And and success not in terms of the monetary form, although I'm sure that comes with it, but just he clearly has tried to surround himself and learn from people who are honing their craft and then basically steal. I, I always joke, I steal everybody else's ideas that work pass him off as my own and and uh he's doing that yeah absolutely and uh i, I know a guy that he's blood still gotta be pumping i mean he's got them performing cowboy stadium state-of-the-art jerry world winning that much money in the american just blows my mind yeah so and and for what he said like uh he even acknowledged you know it's a little bit cliche but that's you know by the time he roped one that's the furthest he's ever gone so everything else was just a blessing to be there and uh, I still got to admit that it's got to be some sort of pressure to back up in the box for a hundred grand in yeah. less than eight seconds. But for him to say, you know what, it was a successful weekend because he had won, uh, you know, we didn't really talk about it. He had won 2200, 2250, I think it was for place and second uh, in the long go in, in the first performance there. And, and uh, so he had already won more than he's ever won before combined. Right. Um, and, and, you know, let's talk about that really quick. I mean, the American, there were tons of tons of winners, like guys like, you know, Rusty Wright, Saddle Bronc Rider. He's the first one ever to have two world titles uh, and two American titles. He won the American again. What hasn't Rusty Wright yeah. won? Uh, you know, so that, that, I mean, Haley Kinzel. Haley Kinzel continues to be a world championship machine. Her and her horse sister, Haley Kinzel, won the American. So this thing just pays out so much money. And uh, like like Shane was saying, you know, a lot of people didn't think it would last past the, the first couple of years. It seems like it's getting bigger. And it can, for something to get bigger during COVID when budgets are strapped, that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, we could have asked him a whole lot of new questions in a whole nother episode. We could have talked another hour with him, I think. When he started talking about being in the dugout, 
of the yeah. NFR and then going yeah. in the clubhouse. I was like, so what's it smell like? What's, what are we thinking here? I got my fungo bat sitting right here. Yeah. And I started I swinging it a little bit. Yeah. So I was like, man, this is awesome. But yeah, no, I mean, I, I think what, what Shane is, is cement, he has cemented himself as the ultimate road trip companion or leader. Yeah. Tailgate. Let's go. Yeah. Baseball. Let's go. Yeah. Rodeo. Obviously let's go. He mentioned and, golf. Uh, what's that? He mentioned golf. He's got his clubs in his trailer. I've talked to him about that. I know he's played many, many rounds of nine out there yeah. on Thorpe Highway. So. Well, and, and not to, and the top things off, he's going to cook you some crawfish oh. early in the year. Mm. I've never had it. Have you? Delish. I want to. I'm like, let's go. Yeah. Call up Paige right now. Hey, before you come home, cook some crawfish. <laughs> but I don't think they're having Where too much of that Where would you find here. that in the you, state of Washington? You would. You'd drive, you'd fly down to Shane's place? You'd have to. I mean, <laughs> you just have to there. do it. I'm yeah. I'm kind of fired up. I know I do have to admit a little bit the the American. I might have had to pause it for bath time for two young daughters in my house, <laughs> and you know the whole thing on Dish where if you record too many things and then it won't and it switches over. Yeah, yeah. I had the whole thing recorded, about to start the calf roping, and all of a sudden I'm here in the background, sixty minutes is playing. I was like, oh, oh. I'm not getting that back, and yep. I missed the excitement of that. You know. uh I was in and out doing uh, doing a little bathroom remodel chores in my house, but uh, so I didn't get to see it live. But I did see, thanks to the power of social media, that newfangled thing. I think it's going to stick around for a while. Uh, I was able to watch quite a few videos yeah. of, of runs and stuff. So yeah. that's awesome. Well, yep. we want to give a big thank you to Shane Hanchy for joining us today, uh, and a congratulations to him and his, his yes. fiance Taylor Jacobs. He's joining so, the club of marriage. Yeah, that's right, the happy club. It's awesome. So don't let no matter what anybody tells you, it's one of the best. I'm things not going to touch what you just said there. <laughs> no, it's great. So congratulations to you guys, and and thank you again for coming on the podcast with us. And and I am dead serious. I'm going to have to make a trip down there. You yeah, know, yeah, that's Valley definitely. Sports Talk. Heard John's foot in the bill for the podcast on the road. The only reason why I can foot the bill is because Amer- the uh, the McGregor Company foots yeah. the bill for us. Absolutely, a big shout out and a big thank you to the McGregor Company. Thank you to Carrie Cliff for re in our sponsorship for another year of the rodeo episode. We'll be coming to you once a month. Big guests like that. We're just getting started. So. That's right. Guys, with that, we appreciate it. We will be back here soon with another guest talking rodeo with you. Take care of one another. so big, this town's so small If you circle the square, you've seen it all There's no quick fix for a broken heart When everybody knows who you are The Kittitas Valley Sports Talk podcast is part of the Big Country Media Podcast Network. Please check out all episodes anywhere you can get your podcast. And for you iTunes listeners, please rate and review our podcast. Check us out and follow for all your local sports updates on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Kittitas Valley Sports Talk. The official music of Kittitas Valley Sports Talk is brought to you by Austin Jenks. Please go check him out and all of his great music anywhere you can stream music.
out in the 